0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, I've got a little touch of the old, hem laryngitis. Uh, our, our three-year-old finally gave it to the whole dang house. I'm okay, though. A little bit of Tylenol, a whole lot of water, and we will... Applaud our way through this show. I'll probably cough on your faces here and there, but I don't think you can catch it through a podcast, so uh, you should probably be all right. It's our rev- uh, first reverse chronological lightning round Monday of the 2023 2024 NBA season. And for those uninitiated, which I assume is some small percentage of you, on Mondays, first show we do of the day is a look back at all 30 teams over the weekend. Basically, each team's most recent ball game. So we'll start on Sunday. We'll go through the uh, six games on Sunday. Then we'll go through the slightly larger, what was it, seven, eight games on Saturday. And then anybody that didn't play on Sunday or Saturday we will take a quick look at their game back from Friday. Then we'll pivot into a Monday preview. But this is not the week-ahead episode of Fantasy NBA Today. That's actually going to be a separate one we'll be doing with Derek this afternoon Pacific time. So that'll probably be around uh, 2 p.m., I think, or so, Pacific. Should give you guys a couple of hours to set your lineups. We want to go as late to the start or uh, as close to lineup lock as humanly possible while also not doing it at the very last second because then, like, anybody listening after the fact is not going to have an opportunity to use it. Uh, but Derek will help us go through, look at who the best teams are for streaming this week. And, uh, and then at the end of that show, I'll take a look at some of the players that are day-to-day, questionable, that type of stuff, and, and try to give you a couple of indicators on what to do with them on the weekly side. But that'll be the second show today. This first one is really about looking at the individual teams, what they did over the weekend, and how that segues into Monday Night's Card. First things first, this is Fantasy NBA today. You guys probably figured that out already. I am your host Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers on social media. A lot of you guys have been finding me over there over the last few days. Specifically uh since Wednesday, it's been kind of wild actually. I think the uh I think it were added something like 400-500 follows in the last 5 days, which is awesome. I get a little bit obsessed with it. But that all translates to more people finding the YouTube show. And there's this sort of, like, positive feedback snowballing thing that goes on. So please take a moment to hit the thumbs-up button. Please subscribe to the show, even if you hate the fact that my voice is beat up today from kid-cold laryngitis. Uh, Every little bit helps. It really does. Whether it's Twitter here, YouTube, uh, traditional pod channels, iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff. So let's get that party started here nice and early. Let's do our first reverse chronological lightning round. I love these shows because the content is just right there ready for me. I don't have to do anything other than throw it up on your screen and you guys can work along with us. I, uh, for YouTubers, tried to make it relatively large. I don't know how well that worked. I bounced my face around on the screen. Yeah, that's not going to be all that great. We'll go a little bit bigger. That'll put some of the stuff off the side of the page, but, you know, it is what it is. Denver beat Oklahoma City in the first game on Sunday morning uh, or lunchtime, and they did it by shooting 60% from the field, the Nuggets did. There were no big surprises in this game. Uh, A couple of bench players for the Nuggets saw a ton of extra run because it was a blowout, so Christian Brown played 21 minutes. Peyton Watson played 22 We've seen Reggie Jackson pretty consistently getting around 20 to 22 minutes, but his fantasy game requires a whole hell of a lot more than that. And this game was just over early, largely because Shea Gilgis-Alexander had his worst game in like three seasons. Cost me a head-to-head matchup, actually. If he had a medium-sized ball game, I'd probably win my week, and instead I, I got my butt kicked because my opponent had Nikola Jokic. And I feel silly because uh, I actually took one of those. I took Shea over Jokic in this league. Not a not a nine cat. Don't worry about it. I'm not that dumb. Uh, there are almost no notes on this game at all, other than like what to not read too much into. And that is uh, everything, because it was a blowout. The one thing I would point out that's been kind of nice so far is that Michael Porter Jr. is rebounding his butt off so far this season. Dude had nine more boards today, and I don't know if that's a Bruce Brown being gone thing, but MPJ is averaging 14 and 11 so far this year and almost three three three-pointers a game. He's actually turned himself into a little bit of a different kind of unicorn. Not with the defensive stats, but a bunch of three-pointers on good percentages and rebounds. There aren't that many guys that have that combo, and I don't know if this is going to stick. I don't think he's going to average 11 rebounds a game, but if he's up, you know, get himself closer to seven, eight, nine. Uh, That could be a weird little bonus, and he is inside the top 50 so far this year, so good start for MPJ. Nothing else to do with this ballgame. Let's keep moving forward. Atlanta-Milwaukee had one very obvious thing in it, and that was Jalen Johnson inserted into into the starting lineup. That's awesome. Uh, He was a big-time Brewski 150 darling, so many of you listeners to this show had him already, and... Uh, in talking to Brew about Jalen Johnson, I, I have the, the privilege to chat with him whenever I want because I work for Sports Ethos. Uh, one thing that he had mentioned to me was that he wanted to make sure that Sports Ethos was in front of everybody. So check every list. We want to make sure that we're the earliest on Jalen Johnson. That was like one of the big things. Derek White was the other one, I think, of those guys. Um, among the dudes that were getting pushed down. Jalen Duren, I think, was another one. I don't want to get too sidetracked here. We'll talk about those guys when we get to them. But in a lot of leagues that are less hyper-competitive, Jalen Johnson was on the waiver wire on the first day of the season. And so hopefully you guys were able to do that scoop from me yelling about it in our premium Discord or in the tweet storm a few hours later or whatever. Uh, Don't worry about the minutes. This game was a blowout. But starter version, Jalen Johnson is is wonderful. As long as he can stay out of foul trouble. He is this incredible mixture of high field goal percent, does hit some threes, rebounds, gets defensive stats. This is the start of something really lovely. Elsewhere with Atlanta, because there are other stories here, in the blowout, Okongwu saw an extra few minutes, and that was good. And we're still kind of waiting for him to have one of his do a whole lot of stuff in not that much time kind of ball games. But also it's important to remember. And I'll say this after every one of these games, he is not going to put up giant lines while Clint Capella is healthy. Okongwu is a 100 to 130 range guy when Capella is on the floor. He does his big damage when Capella misses ball games, and eventually that's going to happen this year, but you kind of just have to bide your time with it. DeAndre Hunter is off to a really good start this year, and I have to say I'm surprised. He's number 40. Now, admittedly, it's a small sample size, and he's shooting 56%, which is an unsustainably high number there. But if you remember, I think it was two, three years ago, Hunter got off to a really good start before he got hurt. And he was inside the top 80 that season. He hasn't come anywhere near it since, mostly because roles have been shrinking and field goal percent had sort of tapered off a little bit. If the field field goal percent comes back this year, he does have a shot to be inside the top 100. And uh, let's just sort of keep one eye on it. He's not all that heavily rostered. And I get it because, like, games cap format, there's been so many reasons to be skeptical of it. He makes sense to have on the head-to-head side because the minutes are there. And so, you know, even if he has a bad ball game, it's not doing damage to you in that same way. Sadiq Bey is the other name I wanted to mention with Atlanta. 13 points, 9 boards, 3 assists, and a three pointer. He came off the bench, but he still played 31 minutes, so he bought himself a little bit more time on rosters with that. Only real note on the Bucks side, other than Damian Lillard having an absolutely horrible game, is that Brooke Lopez is a uh severe by low right now. Brolo hasn't blocked a shot in his team's first two ball games. Um that's simply not gonna last. And if you're wondering why he played 21 minutes, it's because they got stomped. Nobody played that many minutes. The fact that Malik Beasley played 32 was kind of weird. He had a better ball game here, but you guys can go ahead and trust Malik Beasley as far as you can chuck him. I, I mean, I just, I don't think he's going to stick long-term in the starting lineup because he doesn't do much besides shoot a three ball, and I think they're going to need more glue guys, and, and also Chris Middleton was resting this ball game. Warriors beat the Rockets 106-95. One thing that I said, and this is before getting even into the fantasy side of things here. One thing I said during the offseason while everybody was yelling at me that the Rockets were going to turn this massive corner this year is that there... I said there's a difference between trying to be good and actually being good. So I think the Rockets are trying this year in a way that they weren't the last couple. They were in tank mode. But they're not good yet. Maybe they get there as the season goes, but they're not there yet. Uh, Warriors had Draymond Green back. He was on a minutes cap, so uh, that's the low numbers there. No reason to freak out about it. Chris Paul uh, minutes came down a little bit in this one. Is that because of Draymond Green? Possibly something to keep an eye on. This game was also pretty well in hand. It was sort of more blowouty than the final score would indicate, and that's why the Warriors' regulars Steph played 31 minutes, uh, Clay 29, Wiggins 28. So that actually tells more of a story than the final score would, I think. If this game is tighter, I don't know if that means more minutes for Chris Paul. Uh, As Draymond's minutes go up, does that cap it anyway? Let's keep a close watch on what's going on there with the Warriors. And then with Andrew Wiggins, we're sort of at this point where we kind of have to ask ourselves, is he just not as good as he used to be? I don't know. You guys know me. I'm not a Wiggins guy. But I also do think, and and this is the whole two things can be true at the same time uh, kind of deal. I don't like Andrew Wiggins from a fantasy standpoint. I hate wings that suck at free throw shooting. Um, but he's also a buy low. It's two things at the same time. Uh, on the Houston side, Jabari Smith Jr. played better. Alpern Shangoon had another fairly well-rounded line. Freddie Van Fleet was bad. Dylan Brooks is probably going to be kind of bad most of the year. Jalen Green is someone I avoided like the plague because of his issues. I don't know what to add really on this side. Besides, just kind of wait it out and wait for the team to figure out some kind of chemistry stuff together. I, I, I get the appeal of Jabari Smith Jr. and I, and this is, I, I think he does end up having an okay fantasy season, but he's another guy that worries me because of all the things that can kind of go wrong with his fantasy game. Field goal percent could be bad. Free throw is not a guaranteed positive. If you drafted him, I don't I don't know what you're doing listening to my show because I, I basically said I wasn't drafting him because I was worried that it might not click. But if you drafted him, I have to try to put myself in your shoes. This is an empathy moment for me, because I don't have Jabari Smith Jr. on any team. I have, I think I have a couple of Freddie Van Vliet's. That's the only Rockets I've got anywhere. Uh, And yeah, that game wasn't great yesterday. But if I'm Jabari Smith Jr.'s manager on a fantasy team, I think I just have to wait it out. And hope that it pans out. Joel Embiid played on the, uh, the back-to-back here, and he seemed fine. 35-15-7, two steals and six blocks. Everybody was like, oh, no, what's happening to poor Joel Embiid? He hasn't quite looked like himself to start the year. Well, hello. He's back up to number 11 now after this gigantic, gigantic ball game. Tyrese Maxey, by the way, is number four in nine-cat leagues right now. Hell of a start to the year. Tobias Harris has actually been pretty good, also, and we kind of knew that was going to be the case with Noah Harden around. He's number thirty-one after the first week, and we finally got a better game out of De'Anthony Melton after a couple of clunkers. This was the kind of one that you're looking for with a few points, some assists, a nice steals numbers, three pointers mixed in. That'll do. You guys are not interested in my takes on the guys that are generally rostered. You guys are interested in my takes on a guy like Paul Reed and a guy like Kelly Oubre. And unfortunately, Paul Reed's a drop. He's not playing many minutes. He saw extra in this one because it was a blowout. But typically, he's in the 13-14 range, and that's just not going to get it done. As far as Kelly Oubre goes, he did enough in this one. They didn't need him as much. And that's always going to be the thing here with Oubre is if they don't need the scoring punch then his role is going to be diminished. He managed to sort of salvage things by hitting all six of his free throws and having three defensive stats. So I think you keep him on rosters for now, but just make sure you're aware that the bottom could fall out on this thing. And we might see James Harden show up at some point this week. Maybe. I doubt it, but maybe. Over on the Portland side, we're getting a pretty good look at what the Blazers are with no Anthony Simons, and they went from bad to horrible. Uh... They got blown out. DeAndre Ayton got eaten alive by Joel Embiid. So uh, Time Lord saw a few extra minutes in yesterday's ballgame. Both of those guys put up what you'd call kind of low-end serviceable lines, mostly because of defensive stats. I think Robert Williams is going to be around top 100 range this year. DeAndre Ayton is going to be better than he's been. The kind of nice thing about Ayton so far is that he's number 62 in 9-cat after the first week despite having what I would argue is about the worst week he could have possibly had. But he still averaged 12 rebounds, and he somehow averaged 2.4 defensive stats. So there is this weird, there's a disconnect happening, with the understanding that he's been very bad from the field, and his team's been so horrible. But he's managed to float his numbers, and as one thing comes down, the other thing will probably come up, and he becomes a little bit of a buy low. Malcolm Brogdon is a start while Simons is out. Shaden Sharp is obviously a start while Brogdon, or, uh, Simons is out. Jeremy Grant is a start while Simons is out. Matisse Thybulle's a drop. And, no, I'm not paying attention to Jabari Walker until he gives me about three more games of reason to pay attention to it. Scoot Henderson is getting a lot of should I drop asks on Twitter. And I, I got to say, it's the same stuff. Like, we've been down this road... So many times, people. But I'll repeat it because I know I have new viewers and new listeners every year. Don't draft rookie ball handlers. If you want to draft a rookie, and I put Chet Holmgren is on my Dan old Man Squad list. He's he's technically the only rookie on there. It needs to be a big man. With good percentages. Those guys are able to get over the hump because they don't have the things that weigh them down. But for someone like Scoot, he's going to have a ton of turnovers. He's going to have horrible efficiency issues figuring out the NBA. And it's just uh, like right now it's as bad as it could possibly be. He's like, where is he? He's outside the top 200. It's not even remotely close to fantasy value. And so people that are rostering him are in full panic. And I get it. I get it. You should be in full panic. Because you drafted a rookie ball handler after I yelled at you, don't do it. It never works. Alex Ricklean, who was on this show uh, to break down his mock draft team about two and some odd weeks ago, I think. He did the digging on this, and you can find him on Twitter at Ricklean. If you want to tell him I gave him a a non-guest hit shout-out, blow him a kiss for me. He did the deep dive on this to look at how rookies do in fantasy drafts versus where they end up performing. And the result was what we've been saying, which is if you want to draft a rookie, draft him at like 115 or deeper because there's a really good shot they stink for half a year or more. And that's basically what's going to happen here with Scooty. He's going to be terrible at the beginning of the season, and you're seeing it. This is like maximum terrible. And then by mid-November, he's going to be a tiny bit better. And by mid-December, he's going to look pretty decent or serviceable. And probably by the All-Star break in February, he's going to be a pretty good basketball player. Remember Trey Young? He was unplayable in fantasy until February of his rookie year. And then he was top 40 the rest of the way. What's the play here? If you have Scoot on your team, you're in real trouble. Because you ain't going to get anything for him in a cell. And you don't want to drop him because he's going to get good at some point later this year. You're kind of screwed. It's sort of the sunk cost situation. Sunk cost fallacy. If I, if it meant that you should drop him, but I I actually don't think it's that way. I don't think you should drop him because someone's going to pick him up and someone's going to pick those fruits in a couple of months. If you don't have scoot, you might be able to pick him up off the waiver wire in a week or two, if this keeps happening or you wait and you trade for him in like four weeks, and then you're stashing a month and a half shorter than the clown that drafted him. Sorry, guys, called you clowns. I told you not to, though. Lakers lost in Sacramento in overtime. This was a really fun ball game, by the way. If anybody had a chance to watch it, this was uh, highly enjoyable. Darren Fox, however, did turn an ankle. He's questionable for the week ahead. Don't worry, we we'll talk about that on the uh, week ahead show coming up this afternoon. He's very durable. I do think he tries to get in there for part of this week, um, but again, we'll cover that in the next show. He was amazing in this one. He, I know he wasn't there in overtime, but he was the reason that the game even ended up in overtime by being as good as he was in the fourth quarter. And then Malik Monk had a big OT. That's what pushed the Kings over the, the winning threshold here. Keegan Murray's been awesome. He has indeed taken a step forward year over year. Kevin Herter finally had his first better ball game. He'll probably be okay, but I wouldn't expect much beyond, like, top 90 to 115 range type of stuff out of him when the dust settles. Uh, Demonis Sabonis was drafted as a very safe second rounder, and so far that's exactly what he's been. So uh, congratulations. Nothing's changed for the Kings ever. Uh, Fox has to miss any time. I would think Malik Monk sees a little bit more action Um, Davion Mitchell will definitely play more, but he's not really fantasy ready. And then obviously we saw Harrison Barnes come crashing back to earth the way we knew that he would on the Lakers side, the big minutes guys in this one were Anthony Davis, who had another gigantic ball game, D'Angelo Russell, who's been, uh, not shooting the ball well, but from an opportunity standpoint, a terrific early season grab, because as soon as those shots start going in, uh, if this opportunity holds, he's averaging 14 and 7 with a steal and one and a half three-pointers a game. And if the shots start to fall, that goes up to like 16, 17 points and over two threes a game. And the field goal percent isn't such a massive negative. He goes rocketing inside the top 100. I think everybody's fear with the Lakers right now is Austin Reeves. Um, by the way, you can... You can probably play Torian Prince until Jared Vanderbilt comes back. I know he had that horrible game in between two good ones, but he really does kind of fit what they're doing. Anyway, uh, for Austin Reeves, he just looks exhausted. I think the Team USA stuff sapped him of his Austin Reeves strength. He'll be fine, but he is a prototypical buy low right now because he's gotten off to a terrible start. Nothing is going in. He shot one for 12 in this ballgame, and if he makes any of his damn shots, the Lakers probably win. So, um... Yeah, go get him if you can on the cheap. We'll try to do a little bit of work on that over on the social media side, which I'll remind you guys is at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Go find me over on the Twitters so we can figure out what you need to sell to get your hands on Austin Reeves. By the way, we just got a Shams report in the middle of this one. Kings all-star De'Aaron Fox has avoided significant injury but has sustained a moderate sprain of his right ankle and he is likely to miss some time. Fox played through the sprain down the stretch of 37 points at a victory over the Lakers on Sunday. So um, I think that probably gives you the answer you want. If you're playing him this week, he's probably out for at least a week. And uh, so roll from that and go forward. The last game on the docket from Sunday night was the Spurs and the Clippers. And ah, look, guys, I got to say, I, I said a bunch of times during fantasy draft season that I was petrified to deal with the San Antonio Spurs. Petrified. Because I had no idea what the rotations were going to look like. You have all these guys that have percentages issues, efficiency stuff going on. And sure enough... Through the first week, the Spurs have one player inside the top 100 in nine cat, and it's Trey Jones, who's averaging nine points, six assists, and one point three steals, and that's the reason he's up there is because he's also have the percentages have been okay. Devin Vassell is at 115, thanks to free throw percent. That's kind of knocking him off the thing, but also mostly because he's only scoring. G.D. Osman is the third highest ranked Spur. Keldon Johnson's at 156 percentages. Victor Wembanyama's at 157. I like the steals and blocks, obviously, but the percentages have been atrocious for him. Zach Collins, who I've kind of liked so far, is at 11, 6, and 5 with good defensive stats, but his percentages have been bad, and he has averaging four turnovers a game. That's probably not going to stick. But then you got Jeremy Sohan and down near the edge of the top 200. This is the issue, with the Spurs, and I know they might not all stay this bad, but this is why I basically avoided them. This is why. Ah, uh, it's really yeah. Um, oh man, San Antonio. Uh, so on the Clippers side, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about the Spurs after looking at this stuff. I avoid. I avoided the whole team. I don't think I have a single spur on any of my fantasy teams. I have nine teams, and I don't think I... Oh, no, that's not true. I have Zach Collins on a couple. And uh, I'm assuming his turnovers come down. They had 25 as a team yesterday. That's, by the way, not very good. Um, And I'm hoping that Collins' turnovers come down, because if they do, then he does creep his way towards the edge of the top 100 at least, but man... For the Clippers, uh, Russell Westbrook had a classic Westbrook game where he did a bunch of really good stuff and then missed all three of his free throws, but he does belong on rosters right now. Ivica Zubac is off to his typical hot start. He also belongs on rosters. And then you got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard doing the heavy lifting up top. PG is playing like a man possessed so far. He's number seven after the first week. Uh, 2.7 steals a game. Sort of a big part of that for him. Um... I think he's, I don't know that anybody's really all that close, except for like Donovan Mitchell's averaging three and some odd. Uh, But PG's been really, really good. Of course, you're all just kind of waiting for the shoe to drop on when the first injury hits. But until it does, enjoy. By the way, uh, turning quickly back to that Kings game, because now that we know that Fox is likely to miss a little bit of time, Is there anything you do here? Uh, I think Malik Monk is probably rostered already. So if you have him, you probably just enjoy the Malik Monk ride. And, uh, yeah, I don't think you're picking up Davion Mitchell, though. Last year when he got some starts, he really didn't do very much. He needs all the other usage guys to be out, too. Um, He might have a game mixed in where he hits a bunch of three-pointers, but for the most part, his, his game doesn't really translate to fantasy all that well let's turn back to Saturday on the board there were seven games on Saturday we'll try to move through these at a decent clip because my voice is really feeling the hurt right now but I do want to take a second to remind you guys of our sponsor right now and that is manscaped.com stick with me here for just a second manscaped.com look guys I got the whole case out for you look how sleek that is it's got a nice gold trim trim my, uh, my desk lamp here is really illuminating it. Maybe I can get it in front of the desk lamp. No, that's not good. It's not focusing on that. That's the handyman. That's the handyman. I've showed you guys the way this thing looks in my hand. This is an actual electric face razor. You can get this. You can get the new lawnmower 5.0, which is the newest iteration of the actual sideburn trimmer. Look at me. I'm actually kind of well-kept today. I've got the... Uh, here's the clipper. I have the nail clipper out because I was cutting my kid's thumbnail... With it, uh, that's only twenty bucks, twenty percent off and free shipping on your order over at Manscaped.com with promo code ETHOS twenty. Again, ETHOS two zero. You get twenty percent off your order at Manscaped.com plus free shipping. So the nail kit is only sixteen bucks. You gotta at least try that. It's actually really, really good. My wife uses it instead of her own nail stuff, uh, and then this handyman over here is is pretty awesome as well. Uh, let's get back into the mix here with a look at Saturday. New Orleans doesn't have a whole lot going on other than, uh, Herb Jones has looked pretty good through their first couple of ball games. CJ McCollum has an unsustainably high number of steals happening right now. Um, and they, you know, they just look like a pretty good ball club, which they were when Zion was healthy last year. So no surprises there. The only thing that was surprising for us was the first game they played. Jonas Valanciunas played 29 minutes, and then not surprisingly in this one, only 21. I think that's more what you're getting out of JV this year. He was a hard pass on fantasy draft night, and he remember he remains a hard pass for me right now. Herb Jones does belong on rosters, so make sure that he's picked up. Uh, right now, he's doing more than just getting steals, so hopefully that sticks. We'll see, but at the very worst, he has a pretty good floor because of the defensive stuff. On the Knicks side, after one bad game, Mitchell Robinson has posted two good ones. He's, uh was one of the guys that I thought was going to be a really easy center value on Fantasy Draft Night. I know he doesn't score at all, but he rebounds, field goal percent, block shots. All that stuff is really easy for him to roll into. Josh Hart did have 10 rebounds here, but he only played 21 minutes. That's not going to be enough for him. He is droppable. Quentin Grimes, droppable. Emmanuel quickly bordering on droppable. I don't think you can play him in roto games cap formats. I think you could probably give him a little bit longer on the head-to-head side because he had a couple of good ones before most of the teams sucked in this ballgame. I mean they all scored they scored 87 points. But the problem with quickly, of course, is that his role on a night to night basis is not guaranteed. If we could somehow get him into the starting lineup, it'd be a really easy call but he's buried behind some guys, and he's going to come in. And he's going to be a high-usage dude when he's on the court. But, I mean, we're talking about 19 minutes in this ballgame. That's just not enough. So call it chopping block. I haven't dropped him yet, but uh, quickly is in a little bit of trouble. Zach Levine, signs of life, I'll say. 51 points in a losing effort in Detroit, and he needed a little help from his friends. DeMar had 20 points. Uh, Everybody else was pretty bad. Vooch is off to a slow start this year. The Bulls as a team are off to a crummy start, which is worrisome because I do have some Bulls and I need them to not blow it up in January, February if we're actually going to hit any kind of fantasy value this year. Kobe White had a Kyle lowry size stinker in this one, two rebounds and one assist and a turnover in 28 minutes. Yikes, my friends. That's a big fat yikes. So, here's the thing about Kobe White. His game is not 9-cat friendly. He can score a little bit, he can rebound a little bit, he can assist a little bit. He gets no defensive stats, his field goal percent is low, he doesn't shoot that many three balls, and he's playing 33 minutes a game right now, and he's outside the top 175. I think he's probably a 9-cat drop, If you want to hang on a little bit longer just to see if something comes roaring back for him, have at it. Go right ahead. I just think you can do more with that roster slot in nine category leagues, especially after seeing this terrible game. And I don't want this to be recency bias because he was okay the first two. But again, there's always those big gaps in his fantasy game. Honestly, right now I'd rather have Alex Caruso on that team, who's not playing nearly as many minutes as White. But has made a whole lot better use of them. He's number fifty-three, thanks to three point four combined defensive stats, and oh, a game winner in the only game the Bulls won so far this season. You don't have to worry about the regulars; they'll all eventually get it figured out. Um, yeah. Anyway, Detroit. Who doesn't want to talk about Jalen Duran? I want to talk about Jalen Duran. He's number ten in all of fantasy. After the first week. And that's only because he's averaging three and a half turnovers per game. Which is weird. For a big man. In his role. But guess what? He's also averaging four assists per game. There's a lot going on with Jalen Duran that will not last. He's averaging 18 points. 15 and a half rebounds. Four assists. And 3.4 defensive stats on 80% shooting. But I don't care. He's so much damn fun to roster right now. That I like it, it, like, don't even worry about the things that you know are coming down. Scoring's gonna come down, rebounds will come down a little bit, assists will come down a little bit, blocks will come down a little bit, field goal percent's coming down a little bit. Knowing that, if you can go out there and get yourself someone that is like a reliable 35 or better range fantasy player, and I'm not talking about somebody who's inside the top 35 right now, I'm talking about somebody who was drafted inside the top 35 and you know they're gonna stick somewhere near there. Then, yeah, you go do it. But I also wouldn't fault you for just enjoying the ride because he's been unreal so far, and he's one of the most fun players in fantasy. And how much time have we spent on that? We dedicated so much time on this show to talking about how fun it is to watch him rebound. And after every game so far, I've said, if there's a rebounding prop out there that has Durin winning it this year, I don't think it's that crazy. He's the strongest dude in the NBA, and he's 19. Astor Thompson was pretty good in this ballgame, and he has a really cool fantasy game. He has a lot of stuff that's going to hold him back. Percentages, turnovers, things like the lack of three-pointers. But he rebounds, he assists, he steals, he blocks. If you can do those four things and you start to add the other stuff around it, then the fantasy ceiling is just phew, through the roof. Cade was pretty good. Not great. 25-10 and 10 is good, but it's sort of a Trey Young-esque... 25 and 10. One three-pointer, no defensive stats. Bad, eh, bad turnovers. And then Isaiah Stewart had 14 and 9, which is just enough to buy him a little bit more time on your roster. Wizards got a win. They beat Memphis, 113-106. Daniel Gafford left and came back, I think. He had a tweaked an ankle. That's always the thing with him, but he played 28 minutes. That's all we needed to see. Double-double with two blocks. Yay, good. Jordan Poole off to a... Really bad shooting start, but he did get 27 points in this one, so if that's what you were looking for when you drafted him, have at it. But we're also seeing why the bottom can fall out with him. 21 shots a game on 37% shooting, and he's actually missing his free throws so far too. He really can't get a whole lot worse for Poole than these first two ball games. I drafted him in exactly zero nine category leagues, and I feel fine about that because of the way we knew the floor could come out. I did draft him in a points format, and I'm fine with what we've seen so far. Tyus Jones, solid start. Nothing spectacular to this point, but uh, no problems. Top 40 numbers after their two games. You'll take that. Corey Kispert had 22 points and 32 bench minutes. I don't think that's something we get a repeat performance nightly, so probably ignore that for now. Delon Wright, only 20 and a half minutes here, but he still managed to do enough. Seven assists, two steals, and a block. I'm sticking with DeLon. You guys know I like me DeLon, right? And uh, so I'm not backing off of that because the steals, the assists, and frankly just the defense is stuff they're going to need from him. For Memphis, I was curious how Xavier Tillman would look against a smaller front court and he didn't get to play as much. I think some fouls crept in, but it was mostly about matchups. The Wizards were going to space you out and Tillman didn't make a whole lot of sense in that particular build. So, you know, he had a great start to the year. He played two gigantic front courts. Now he played a smaller one. You can pretty much gauge what sort of fantasy games you're going to get out of Tillman by the size of the team he's playing against. Does he belong on rosters? Yeah, I think he does. Zaire Williams had a nice game here. 16-10 with four three-pointers. I'm not picking him up after one good ball game, but he does deserve at least a sort of a sideways glance. Can you do it again? We'll see. John Conchar played well in 22 minutes, but that's not enough time. Marcus Smart settling in with his new team, so everything else is kind of uh, about what you'd expect. Indy beat Cleveland on the road, 125-113. These were kind of a zombie Cavs, so uh, no one should be too surprised here. Evan Mobley. And Max Struess were the only starters that actually played in this game. Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Jared Allen were all still out. So, you know, grain of salt on the Cavs side. I still think Max Struess is going to be an incredible add this season. And I don't think that I'm overselling it. He's number 20, by the way, after three ball games, Despite shooting horribly. from the field on 17 shots a game. He's just doing all the things. Yes, he had more usage in this one because Garland and Donovan Mitchell were both out. We're not going to delude ourselves into thinking that this is the way it's always going to be. But he's out there for maximum minutes. They like his rebounding. They like his passing. I think Struess has a chance to be a top 60, top 70 fantasy play this year, and I don't think I'm going crazy to say that. And I think the floor is 12-team startable. Like, I don't think that there's a worst-case scenario that has him as a drop. And this is why... And so I'm going to... I got to rant a little bit here. I got to pause to rant about something. I'm seeing this weird new phenomenon popping up in the fantasy space suggesting that you should just follow the analysts that, like, make you feel good about your team. No, you should follow the analysts that are grinding. The analysts that are legit doing the hard work. And there's a good number of us out there. But I'm seeing too many that think they can just sort of parachute in, see a couple of things, and make calls on stuff. That's not how it works. you got to understand how stat sets work. You need to understand how math works. And you need to understand that the people that we're lecturing to on podcasts and on Twitter are not in hyper-beginner leagues. People in hyper-beginner leagues are probably not listening to fantasy pods or watching fantasy Twitter as closely as we're treating it. You're talking to intermediate players. So if you're telling an intermediate player to drop Max Struess, and I saw that after his slow ball game, that analyst is not paying attention. They could still get it turned around, but that analyst is not paying attention. Please, I beg of you people, don't fall prey to this strange new sweeping thing that's happening where everybody is everybody is exactly the same in, in fantasy analysis. There are some absolutely brilliant analysts out there, and I hope that I've had some of them on this show. But I'm seeing too many that think they can half-ass it, and I don't like that. It's leading people astray. If you feel like I'm talking to you, (laughs) this is like the is this about me moment. If you feel like it's about you, work harder. Because we see you. We see that bad advice, and we know you guys can all do better. So that's my pep talk. Don't half-ass it. Let's get in. Let's get in the the freaking weeds here, man. Let's do the hard work. That's how we're going to win. That's my pep talk. Sometimes everybody needs a little tough love. Uh, as far as the Cavs go, you're not picking up Isaac Okoro. You're not picking up Dean Wade. Karis LaVert is kind of interesting. I know he did a lot more in this ball game specifically because Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland were out. But he actually finished last year playing pretty well. And the games he's played with Garland and uh, Donovan Mitchell, even this year, he looked okay. He has fantasy issues. Percentages tend to drag him down. It's why he's number 151, because he hasn't hit a shot, basically, to start the year. But I don't think Karis LeVert is totally dead in the water. At least not yet. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Den birds, I got to call you out. There's a post in our in the YouTube chat who says, who cares if people give out bad advice? It's not that deep. This is my existence, man. This is how I am trying to pay the bills around here. So it matters to me. That's why. It might not matter as much to you because you're just playing. But to be on the other side of it, I have to try to make sure that people are winning daily or they'll stop listening to me. I didn't mean to call you out specifically. I think a lot of people probably share that feeling of like, who cares? It's just fantasy sports. I cares. (laughs) Anyway, Indiana side, uh, Aaron Neesmith had his, you know, once a week explosion. He got himself a whole bunch of power forward minutes. This is what we saw last year with Rick Carlisle. He's going to mix and match. He has, at this point, Halliburton, Miles Turner, and Bruce Brown. Are the only three players on the Pacers guaranteed minutes on a nightly basis? Which, by the way, I know Bruce Brown had a bad ball game, but he's a hold because the minutes are there. But even Benedict Matherin only played 17 minutes in this ball game. He got subbed out. Bye, bye, dude. If you're not if you're not hauling your weight on this night, you're done. So you got more Aaron Smith. You got more Andrew Nemhart. Uh, you got less Buddy Heald in this one for whatever reason. I yeah. When you hear a guy is on the trade block, it's a hard sell. Uh, to try to get me to draft him because I know they don't want him to get hurt. There's no reason for them to play him super hard. If he's not a part of their future, if you have buddy healed, you probably just stick it out. I don't think you're going to be able to get proper value right now and just hope that he gets moved to a place where he has a better role. Philly beat Toronto on the front end of their back to back, uh, but we already talked about them. So let's talk about Toronto. Precious Achua. Hurt is groin. I'm able to throw that up on the screen for YouTubers, so you can see that. Uh, no OG Ananobi in this ballgame, so Gary Trent got the start, and he was fine. Gary Trent is very much a I-haven't-made-up-my-mind-yet-on-this-guy guy. Jakob Purtle, try to see it through. Um, Presta Chichua getting hurt actually helps Purtle because he was a guy stealing some backup center minutes. Grady Dick played well, but... That's as far as I'm throwing that one. And then it looks right, like right now, like the biggest miss I've had so far this season is uh, not believing that Dennis Schroeder could get off to at least a good start because he really has gotten off to a great start. He's hitting three-pointers. not where the hell that all came from, Dennis. But he's number 75 and 9, Cat, with bad percentages right now, and and that definitely plays. Oops. Didn't see that one coming. Thought he was going to do, not what he did with the Lakers necessarily, but... You know, Dennis Schroeder has long had holes in his fantasy game. He doesn't steal as much as a guy who it seems like he should because he's quick. He doesn't shoot three-pointers or hasn't in the past. Typically, a good foul shooter, field goal percent is kind of fine. But I thought we were going to get some assists and some points, and that was basically it. But he's added threes, and he's even added a little bit of steals to the mix so far. And I don't know if that holds long-term, but it's holding so far. And so to that end, I've gotten him very wrong. We'll see what happens, though, over the next couple of weeks. Does he kind of come back to earth, or is this sort of new Schroeder? Dennis Neuter. Not Neuter with a T. Whatever. It's a bad nickname. Minnesota beat Miami 106-90. This is a zombie heat team with no Jimmy Butler, no Caleb Martin, no Kevin Love. And Kyle Lowry was still terrible, so um, luckily we can move on from that. Only interesting story in this ballgame, I thought, was Nas Reed, who got 28 and a half minutes despite nobody being out for the Wolves. This game not being, I mean, it was a blowout, so Nas saw a little bit extra late, but he was playing a lot regardless. And we know that he can put up massive numbers in limited time. And Nas Reed is one of those guys that I was like, you guys remember if you listened over the offseason, I was begging someone else to sign him and give him a whole bunch of extra minutes. But he came back to Minnesota. If, you know, he played 24-ish minutes in the first game for the Wolves and then 28.5 in this one. If, I don't think 28.5 is something we see nightly, but 24-25 would actually be enough for fantasy value for him. So I'm going to go ahead and call Nas Reed a pickup in most formats and, And then if you want to wait and see how it goes on the games cap side, you have that luxury. If you'd rather just drop him in there, you probably won't get burned too bad. Head-to-head, I think you can start him right now. Uh, No massive notes on this ballgame. I avoided most of the big men stuff going on in Minnesota because I really wasn't sure what Cat and Gobert would do. With Towns, the percentages are going to bounce back, Um, so he's not going to average 15 and 10. He's taking 19 shots a game. That's actually the important part for him. So very much a buy low on Cat. Um, It would take a lot to get him, so that is why I'm a little hesitant to call it a buy low. And then with Anthony Edwards, he's number 66. Presumably the field goal percent will get a little bit better. The the free throw percent will get a little bit worse. He'll work his way back up into that 30-some-odd range probably. Kyle Anderson is a hold. Uh, Mike Conley, quiet hold. Let's keep going. Phoenix blew out Utah. This was Kevin Durant and the Durant Airs. Do you remember when the the Wizards were known as the Jordan Airs? I wish that we could use that terminology for other teams because Kevin Durant was missing both Booker and Beal again. They almost beat the Lakers with just KD. They were able to take care of a, of a pretty bad Jazz team who, I don't know, the Jazz beat the Clippers. Um... They have some stuff there. But Durant was good. This looked more like regular Kevin Durant, and if this game wasn't a blowout, it really would have been something special. Um, Eric Gordon finally had a better shooting ball game, and he's sort of your close your eyes and play him streamer when both Beal and Booker are out. Jordan Goodwin is streamable when both of those guys are out. Grayson Allen I'd be a little bit more cautious with because he doesn't typically get a whole lot of usage. And then Yusuf Nurkic, who, I don't know, I feel like people got a little bit out over their skis with him after uh, the first good ball game. I think he probably settles into that 100 valuation range, which isn't bad, but I feel like people wanted more. And everybody was like, Dan, what about Joshua Kogi? What about, he wasn't going to shoot a billion percent forever. You knew that was coming crashing back because there just isn't a whole lot else there. And at some point, I hope we'll get to actually see this team play with their stars together so we can get some data points on that, but, you know, not yet. On the Utah side, uh, Ochai Abaji got hurt. You can see knee contusion there. He played only six minutes. Walker Kessler, another bad one. Only 23 minutes here, and he's gotten off to a really bad start. He is both a buy low and also a maybe he doesn't get all the way to where he wanted him to go. Um, He was getting drafted near 50, which I still think is a pretty okay spot to draft him because I think he's got a chance to beat that. Right now, you could probably get Walker Kessler for, like, maybe somebody you drafted in the 80s that's overperforming. I don't know who that list is. I'm just going based on a couple of Twitter polls and also the body of work. So this is a quick little tangent on, on orchestrating trades. And then I know everybody has questions about Keonti George, who we'll talk about in a second here on the Utah side. The longer that Walker Kessler stinks to start the year, the less you'd have to pay to get him. One bad game, two bad games, three bad games is what we're on right now. Okay, the person that drafted him near 50 is thinking, you know what, three terrible games, I am kind of worried about this. I would give him up for top 75 guy who's playing well. If he has two more bad games, you might be able to give him four top 80-some-odd guy who's playing poorly. At some point, there's going to be, like, a lower limit to this, and nobody's dropping Walker Kessler. But if he if he looks this bad for another week, that's when you start. You go back to your draft, whatever league you're in. You go look at the draft results, see who got drafted in, like, the late 7th round, see if they're having a really good start to the year, and flip them out there. And I'm not talking about Jalen Duran because I think you can actually aim higher with Duren. I'm talking about somebody else in that range who's playing pretty well, not like break-the-bank awesome, but someone that now you throw them at a Walker-Kessler manager and say, hey, you want somebody who's not a big question mark? I'll take your question mark off your hands. That's the way that you don't give up all that much and hopefully have a shot at some upside. That's that's how to orchestrate a buy low. I think we can safely call Taylor Norton Tucker a drop, thank God, because I was getting tired of wondering... um, Jordan Clarkson, we've had this conversation a thousand times. He doesn't do enough in 9-cat to warrant a roster spot, and he's outside the top 200 right now, everybody. So, been saying it for a year, and everybody keeps yelling at me, and I don't know why they keep yelling at me about it. Great game for Keontae George, though. 27 minutes, 12 points, 7 boards, 6 assists, a steal, and a couple of 3-pointers. Nice little well-rounded action there. I'm of the mindset that you can probably make the move because, as we've already talked about it on this show, there are two or three guys we were kind of waiting on to see what they were going to be. I think I would rather take a shot on somebody who has a better fantasy stat set, whose role is a little bit less certain, than someone who we know has a crummy fantasy game, like a Talon Horton Tucker, whose role seems safer, but his fantasy game stinks. Or even Jordan Clarkson, frankly. Or Kobe White, if you want to go back to some, one of the games we talked about earlier. If you know somebody has a bad fantasy game and you know they need like 35 minutes on the court to hit some kind of value, why not go for a guy who doesn't need that many minutes and you say, you know what, we'll ride the bumps, we'll see what happens, and if it doesn't get there, who cares because the guy I dropped wasn't helping me anyway. Now we play the age-old game of, (laughs) I do this every week and many of you I'm sure are going to laugh as soon as I say it, who played on Friday but didn't play over the weekend? I never look at this ahead of time. I don't know why I always forget to look at who didn't play. But we know somebody didn't play because Saturday was what? Seven games? What did I say? Seven games on Saturday. Six games on Sunday. There was a back-to-back in there. So uh, you know there are at least four or five teams that I'm going to have to look at here. So let's just play the scrolling game. Denver, Memphis. We talked about Denver and Memphis Detroit, Charlotte. We did not talk about the Hornets. Gordon Hayward is an ad, at least until Miles Bridges comes back. Uh, But Hayward looks much more spry this year than last season. There was just something—he was like playing in molasses last year. He didn't look that out of shape to me, but maybe, maybe it was that. But he looks ready to rumble, and maybe the Hornets coming into the season told him, "Hey, we're actually trying to win again this year. It's not a tank season. Get your get your bleeping legs underneath you." And he's good to go. Brandon Miller looked really good in this game, 17-6-2. You know, his role is not guaranteed on a night-to-night basis, but they did spend their number two pick on him. And the beauty of being a rookie that doesn't have to handle the basketball all that much is that you can get to fantasy value a little bit easier. So I would say he's another kind of upside play to take a shot on. If you want to add Brandon Miller, if he didn't get drafted, throw him at the end of your bench. Roto Games cap, you don't play him, you sit on him, you squat on it for a little bit. Uh, Mark Williams was bad. He was in foul trouble, though. Two points and three boards on five fouls. See if you can buy low on him. I doubt it because he started the year with a good ball game, so people are like, meh, I got a good one. I don't care about the bad one. But maybe somebody's thinking, is this going to happen every night? And the answer is no. Uh, But I will remind you all that running up to the season, when people ask me, of those later centers, which ones do I like the most? I said Gafford. I said Durin. And then I had Williams behind them because I thought, you know what? I'm a little worried that P.J. Washington plays some small ball center on the Hornets. He got himself ejected, by the way. Uh, Probably not a huge concern there. I think Williams is going to be fine. But if you were hoping for, like, top 50, top 60, you might have been stretching it a little bit. He'll be a solid second center. Top 100? Top 90? Sure, why the hell not? All right, what else do we got on this thing? Uh, Knicks and Hawks, we talked about, did we talk about the Hawks? Or did I write about the Hawks? No, we talked about him. Yeah, we talked about the Hawks. I'm playing a very silly game right now. Um, we didn't talk about Boston, but there's basically nothing there, because they've got Derek White dominating, Jalen Brown off to kind of a slow start, Tatum, awesome, Porzingis, awesome. Uh, and who am I forgetting? Oh, Drew Holiday. He's been pretty good too. Oklahoma City, Cleveland, we talked about. Houston, San Antonio, we talked about. I know there's a few more teams here. Chicago, Toronto, we talked about. Brooklyn and Dallas. We didn't talk about Brooklyn or Dallas. Uh, we just got word earlier this morning that Cam Johnson is likely to be out at least another week to week and a half, um... So that means Cam Thomas' time continues, ladies and gentlemen. He took his spot in the starting lineup, and he ran with it. Now, if Cam Thomas gets cold, be very afraid. But he's got that starting gig right now, and uh, he's going to score a bunch. Really good start to the year for Ben Simmons. Ride that out. Spencer Dinwiddie bounced back here. He belongs on rosters. Um, There was no uh, Nick Claxton in this game either, so Dorian Finney-Smith got the small ball start at center, and everybody hoping to stream De'Ron Sharp got kicked right in the nads. This is also a really high-scoring game. I'm not adding Lonnie Walker. I'm not adding Dorian Finney-Smith. I'm not adding Royce O'Neal in games cap formats. If we find out Nick Claxton is out for a few more games, maybe you look at Dorian Finney-Smith, maybe, but even then, you could get caught with your pants down because dude played 32 minutes, only took eight shots, and we got kind of lucky that he made four three-pointers. Cam Thomas, Ben Simmons, Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikhail Bridges. Those are probably the guys you're playing right now while Cam Johnson and Claxton are hurt. Mavericks. We haven't had a good game from Kyrie Irving yet, which is kind of nice. I don't think you can buy low on Kyrie because he was already going kind of low. Um, but if you could, I would because you know he's coming around as soon as Luka decides he, he's not going to go thermonuclear. I also warned you guys, Derek Lively is an ad, but the minutes are going to bounce around, and there was no Dwight Powell in that first game because of a flu. So Powell came back. He took 13 minutes. Maxi Kleba played 26. Jason Kidd's going to mix and match at that center spot. Uh, and Grant Williams is someone I do want to track a little bit. I don't think that he's an ad. He had five fouls in 29 minutes of this ball game. I think they're... There's an outside shot he gets inside the top 100 outside, like 25%, but at least keep one eye on him in case that does happen. Clippers Jazz, we talked about. Magic, we haven't talked about yet. Uh, Jalen Suggs and Cole Anthony tend to have a tough time coexisting. They each had an okay game here, so that's something, I guess. I have trouble playing either of them in a games cap format. Uh, Head-to-head, you could probably play both. You're not adding Mo Wagner, despite the nice ball game. He went eight for eight. Not sustainable. Markel Fultz is a little bit of a buy low, but at the same time, he's really more like a top eighty five nine cat guy, so just make sure you know what you're getting into. And Wendell Carter Jr. is someone that I drafted precisely zero places because I don't like centers who don't get defensive stats. No, he's not going to be as bad as he's been. He's outside the top 200. He'll claw his way back right near the edge of the top 100, just like he did last year and the year before, and blah, 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 blah. Not a guy I'm targeting, Wendell Carter Jr. But if you can get him for like a 120-type plotter, then maybe you at least upgrade your plotter a little bit. Whatever. Uh, Portland we talked about, Warriors-Kings we've talked about, and that's it, ladies and gentlemen. But it's not our look-ahead. We still have Monday to look ahead to. Whoopsies. Yeah, we're looking at the Basketball Monster board because it's the easiest one to fit on a screen. Let's look at Monday real quick. I don't know if we're going to have a ton of time for chat room. We'll go lightning round on those as fast as humanly possible. Here's what's coming up tonight, though, as we get near the hour mark, and my voice is really struggling. Boston, Nothing. Um, I don't, well, I don't, not really paying attention to much on the Boston side, uh, in terms of wizards, we'll keep an eye on Gafford. He looked better in their last ball game and we'll keep a part of an eye on Corey Kispert for the bulls. Kobe white. We just talked about, I'd love to know if Alex Caruso can lock in some minutes a little bit more long-term. He seems to get hurt though. So that may be the thing kind of holding him back. Uh, For the Pacers, you're just watching all those wing rotations. For the Nets, we just talked about Cam Johnson being out, so Cam Thomas. Hornets, we just talked about Gordon Hayward and Brandon Miller are the two guys you're watching there. For the Blazers, DeAndre Ayton is kind of your buy low. Uh, Otherwise, we've already talked about Malcolm Brogdon being a play. Shaden Sharp is a play. Um, Jeremy Grant, blah, blah, blah. Raptors, I still am having trouble believing that this is the new Dennis Schroeder, that he hits like three three three-pointers a game. That number has got to come down. So what is he going to be when this all settles? Gary Trent, Jakob Pertle, the other guys you're watching there. Nas Reed on the Wolves. Uh, Jalen Johnson, Sadiq Bey, DeAndre Hunter are the three guys you're keeping tabs of on the uh, Atlanta Hawks as we try to move through this board relatively quickly here on the look-ahead portion. Uh, for the Pistons, I mean, I hate to say it because you guys know how much I adore Jalen Duran, but he is very much... Uh, a sell-high. I know. I say it, and I just feel bad as I'm saying it. But it's the truth. He's a sell-high right now. Because it's not going to get any better than this for Jalen Duran. And, I mean, you could probably get a third-rounder for him right now. Or you roll the dice and hope he does it for another week and then aim for a second-rounder. Anyway, let's keep going. Um thunder nothing mavericks Derek lively versus dwight powell matt versus maxi kleba grant williams who just talked about that and kyrie off to kind of a slowish start for the grizzlies xavier tillman against this smaller front courts that's the thing they're playing a smaller front court now uh memphis dealing with dallas in this one Zaire williams is worth tracking i don't think you need to add him yet for the warriors uh andrew wiggins is he, is he bad now or is he the biggest buyout of all time or is it somewhere in the middle probably the middle Draymond adding minutes uh assuming he's playing in this ball game um what does that do to Chris Paul that's the biggest thing for me Herb Jones on the Pels is my thing I'm watching cuz he really has looked good so far to start this year for the Heat sounds like Josh Richardson might be back we got that news uh earlier this morning does he become kind of a big point guard instead of Kyle Lowry cuz the heat ain't going anywhere with Kyle Lowry as the full-time point guard. He's just too old. He doesn't have any juice left, man. Keep one eye on Richardson. It could really it could happen. For the Bucks, Brooke Lopez buy low for the Jazz, Walker Kessler buy low. Probably some drops there. We talked about THT and Clarkson. Nuggets nothing magic. Love to see Jonathan Isaac's minutes get to 20, but I don't think it's happening. And then sort of the Cole Anthony, Jalen Sugg stuff we just talked about. And then Markel Fultz. He's sort of due for a better ballgame. Lakers, Austin Reeves could not throw a stone in the ocean. I know you guys love when I say that dumb expression. He's been horrible so far. He is percentages was one of the reasons that you drafted him, and they haven't been there. But they will be. That makes him a buy low. And I think that's it for the look ahead. Let's see if we can get to a few questions from the chat room here. There's a lot of them, and we're already over the hour mark, so we're not going to get to uh, even close to all of these guys. Let this be a lesson to my lovely live viewers to please get your questions in fast. Although, to be fair, most shows won't be an hour-long weekend recap, so most of the time we'll have 10, 15 minutes for questions. Today we'll do about maybe 5 or 6, and then I'm going to go rest my voice until the afternoon. Um... Christopher Scott is asking for an update on Devin Booker with the note, I'm playing a weekly lineup for the first time this year, and it sucks. <laughs> I have no control. Anxiety levels are through the roof. It's awful not being able to move guys in and out when they get hurt or sit. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, bud. Um, we'll talk more about this type of stuff on the afternoon show. Uh, so that's my my uh, my teaser there, Chris. Sorry I'm not answering it on this morning's one because uh, I have a bunch more prep to do before the afternoon in terms of everybody's schedules and uh, when the games are happening and who's playing who and all that good stuff. So there's your tease to come back and watch again this afternoon. Let's see if I can zip through here. How David says, how long do you think we have to wait until Okongwu will be startable in Roto? So you could get away with it now. It's not, he hasn't been a complete disaster. He's number 129 in 9CAT, uh, um, which again, that doesn't sink your team. You know, nine points, four boards, a steal, 61% shooting. It's not good, but you could legitimately start him now and it wouldn't be the end of the world. Or you could just wait until Capella goes down. I, I don't think I'd wait that long. I think you'd probably play him and just take the low-end lines unless you're falling way behind in your game's cap. Delante says, what do you make of Keontae George? Is he destined to start sooner rather than later? This does feel a little bit like analysts pleading for a thing that's not going to happen as fast as we want it to. I still think he's a speculative ad, though. That's Keontae George. DG says, Need rebounds. Who's a good trade target? I have LaMelo, Trey Young, and De'Aaron Fox to trade. Not sure which one to trade away. Well, I don't know. Maybe those are trading away pretty big name guys. Uh, Fox just got hurt. Rebounds near the top of the board. I mean, you could. It sort of blows up your team build to trade those guys, but. You know, if you wanted to trade like a Trey Young for an Anthony Davis at the top or LaMelo for an Anthony Davis, I don't think I'd kill you. Uh, I would say DeAndre Ayton is your target for rebounds because you can buy low on him uh, and you could do it with guys that are far worse than LaMelo, Trey Young, or DeAaron Fox. If Lively, this is Kenneth asks, if Lively posts monster numbers, how realistic is it to buy low on Ayton? Probably not all that realistic. Sorry, I think you're going to need a little bit more than that. Ryan says, Uh, 8-Cat Roto, would you drop any of Jakob Pirtle, Markel Fultz, Brooke Lopez, or Jeremy Grant for Jalen Johnson or Xavier Tillman? Uh, no, I don't think I would. Wayne says, hey, Dan, DeAnthony Melton was dropped. Is he a pickup? My back-end guys are DeLon Wright, Dennis Schroeder, Onyeko Kongo, Wendell Carter Jr. Need assists and steals help. Well, if you need assists and steals, you're probably not dropping DeLon Wright, are you? Although uh, he would have been my call here. Um, it's probably Wendell Carter Jr., which he's going to get picked up because he's going to be a top 100 guy. Um, yeah, Six of one, half dozen, I guess. Do you want to go Melton over Delon Wright, a slightly safer steals guy? Ah, well. Rotoball says, I messed up my draft. I took LaMelo at nine instead of Damian Lillard. Should I try my best to get Lillard or just ride with it? I think you should just ride with it. Uh, Wayne T says, I dropped Derek Lively for Onyeka Okongwu. He was dropped over the weekend. Was this the right move? Yes, that was the right move. Very good. Zoe Lala says the B-150 had Rudy Gobert at number 125. Now, remember, that's by totals. So, Gobert might be in the 70s at the end of the year on a per-game basis, but if he misses 20 ball games, that's how he ends up low. I'm not that low. Uh, I'm not high on Gobert. I think he probably does finish in the 60s, 70s range. Um... I'm not quite as low as Brew was on, on Rudy. I think he, he doesn't trust his health. I trust it a little bit more than that. So I think he probably does end up inside the top 100. So that's a, a, an area where we, I think, agree on the per-game side and disagree on the total side. Kyung says, who's the one drop in out of this list in 9-cat Roto? False, Wendell Carter, Kobe White, Derek Lively, Gordon Hayward. It's probably Kobe White. It might be Derek Lively. Hab says, finally made it to the live show. Who's the better streamer for the Magic this week? Suggs versus Mo Wagner versus Cole Anthony. I'd probably trust Cole Anthony the most out of those three. It's a little bit of a toss-up. Eh. Hassan says, do you think Fox plays this week? I think we got news that he probably doesn't from Shams a little bit back, just in case you missed that. Should I drop Kobe White or Jeremy Sohan for Keontae George? I think I'd drop Kobe White. I think i drop either of them, frankly. I want the guy that has an interesting stat set. Might stink, but the other two guys are hurting you right now. Also, Dinwiddie versus Kobe White. I'll go Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, Keontae, is he a rookie ball handler? Yeah, sort of. Sort of. They have a bunch of ball handlers on that team. I don't think it just gets turned over. Is Nikola Jovic an ad over Grayson Allen? This has to be a deeper league. The answer is maybe. I don't think either one of them is. I don't think that helps you very much, though. Who's a good target if I want to sell Levine after the 51 points? Targeting assists and percentages. So um, you're going to need more to get to Darius Garland, but there's your assists guy. There aren't that many other assists guys in that same range. But Zach Levine is actually going to be pretty good for your percentages. So I don't know that I would move him after one good ball game. You probably, wanted, probably want to just sit on it. Uh, hey, Dan, would you drop Tillman, Shaden Sharp, or Melton for Okongwu or Walker Kessler? I would indeed drop Tillman for Kessler. And... Uh... I don't think I would drop one of the other two for Okongwu right now. I think if he's on the wire in your league, he's probably going to stay there until we hear anything about Clint Capella. You guys think Xavier Tillman can push 29 minutes against the Mavs tonight? It's a little bit more of a DFS kind of question, but my guess would be no, because the Mavs are going to spread him out. Luka's going to drag every center out to the perimeter, and it's going to be hell for Tillman. Trade Maxi high before Harden comes back? No, I don't think I would trade Maxi because I think eventually Harden's going to get traded anyway, so... I think you want the Tyrese Maxey that could go top 25, top 30, even if you have to wait through the uh, some crapper James Harden games. Yellow Mamba. Keontae, Kobe White, DeAnthony Melton. Choose two players. I'll go Keontae and Melton. Everybody else is higher on Kobe White than I am. He makes more sense, I guess, on the head-to-head side, but the the field goal percent, the lack of defensive stats, like he's not going to score 20. He's going to be probably average in scoring at the very best. He'll be maybe slightly better than average in assists and then sub-average in rebound. Like, I don't care about a guy that gets me 15, 4, and 5 if there's nothing else. I need more than that in category leagues. Then there's the question here, and it's something we talked about a little bit earlier on. Who's the pickup on the Kings If uh, you know, if, with Fox going down for a little bit of time? It's not Davion Mitchell. It's probably just more Malik Monk. M- Mitchell's going to play more, but his fantasy game doesn't really translate. Um, that is unfortunately as much time as my voice can give. I'm sorry I didn't get to the uh, questions later in the chat, but this laryngitis is killing me and I got another show coming up in like three and a half hours. Hope you guys will join me for that one. Um, let me get this off the screen. There we go. Uh, I would beg of you all, cause there are many of you watching now and after the fact and listening after the fact to find me over on Twitter at Dan Vesperus. We're going to do so much damage over there this year. It's crazy at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I I did also see a question from Joey Banks. Oh, wait, no, this wasn't the one. There we go. Dan, I haven't seen the new tools to check out yet. They have been officially loaded onto the website. We will be sending out emails and links and tweets about that today. These are for Fantasy Pass subscribers. It starts at just 6 bucks a month. You get all of my thoughts ahead of time in a premium Discord You get these incredible tools, head-to-head matchup tools, and team raiders, and daily and weekly projections, and all this really awesome stuff that we've never had before at SportsEthos. That is over at SportsEthos.com. You can get the Fantasy Pass starting at just 6 bucks. My voice is dead. I missed so many questions, and I'm so sorry. I hope you guys got a chance to help each other out. I really, really am sorry that I didn't get to the later ones, but we just ran out of time today. Um, try to throw him in our show later on this afternoon. We'll probably have a little bit more time uh, for questions on that one with Derek Ball. Again, I will see you guys over on Twitter in the meantime at Dan Vassaris. Right, uh, like, rate, subscribe. On your way out, we'll see you in a little bit.